We're back and here to walk through module eight of the Life After Pornography program and continue our conversation on ways to pursue our values instead of our problems. I really enjoyed this conversation with Brian as we thought through and reflected on ways that we can better become the authors of our own story and live our life with intention and purpose rather than getting stuck with these unworkable stories um, that keep us moving farther away from the life that we want. So I hope you enjoy this conversation of module eight of the Life After Pornography program. If you're like me, you know your mind can be your best or your worst friend. Our mind is an amazing tool that can do incredible things, but our mind can also create problems out of nowhere. Sometimes our mind keeps recommending the same solutions to problems even when they aren't working. I see this pattern play out as individuals try to overcome their anxiety, depression, or even struggles with pornography, using approaches that make sense but aren't very helpful. This podcast will show you how real researchers and clinicians are changing the way we approach mental health and reveal helpful research-supported principles designed to help real people with real problems. My name is Dr. Cameron Staley, and welcome to the Life After Series Radio. So we are back again to walk through module eight of the Life After Pornography program. And this is a continuation and extension on our values conversation that gets introduced in module seven, which was my favorite podcast I've done with Brian so far. It was just so wonderful um, to have that chat with you. And maybe a little sneak peek. Um, the next conversation we're gonna have is with your partner. Um, which I'm so looking forward to having a chat with her and, and learning from her experience and perspectives. That's going to be awesome. So with module eight, um, this mindfulness exercise starts with a loving kindness meditation, which can be a little different for some people where we're not only noticing our thoughts and emotions and physical sensations, but actually kind of sharing more compassion and understanding for ourselves. I'm curious how that experience was for you. Yeah, I... Mindfulness in itself was a new experience. Um, so going through this program, you're already put into the new world where you can see your thoughts and not just react to them based off judgment. And so this one specifically, you think of the, the pattern that I personally, and I know a lot of people who struggle with this get into is you're really not too fond of yourself mm. or your thoughts or your urges. And so to be compassionate and kind those are not words I would normally associate with my porn suggesting mind. And so I remember, um, I remember this one took some, I want to say took some work and some effort, um, yeah. but in, in a mindfulness sense, not in a grit your teeth and white knuckle work. It's, it's a, uh, you really have to let go of, of the judgment. And I think working up to, you're already at module eight. And so you've been aware of your thoughts. Um, if you've been doing the homework and you've been understanding and looking at how your mind is suggesting things, I think it allows you to be kind and compassionate. If this were to be the homework for module one, there's no way I would have been able to, to love the things that my mind was suggesting because I, I don't think I understood it well enough, but I, I was very grateful for that perspective switch because mine is just trying to help. And so when you approach that with love and acceptance rather than forced control, the results are going to speak for themselves. That is so well said. And, and you're right. There's a progression with, First, I got to notice that I've got thoughts and emotions and somehow create some space for those. And now I can start to extend some compassion and understanding for myself. And I, I think that is somewhat intentional to have that a little bit later on in the progression 
because I find mindful self-compassion to be really challenging. It sounds really light and fluffy. It's like, oh, we're just going to feel good. and It's not that. For me, when I have a more compassionate stance towards myself, it often amplifies those times in my life where I have been critical or people have not been there for me or I felt really low. And so responding to ourselves in a kind, compassionate way is kind of giving ourselves the the medicine and support we've needed all these years, but it also kind of dredges up those times in our life where we didn't get it. And so I find it to be quite difficult and even painful at times. I, I a hundred percent agree with that. And I think anyone who has been through this process would say the same thing. And there's, you notice yourself getting a little frustrated too. And so automatically as you're talking there about noticing those times when you didn't have that being aware of that as well and being able to to see that and let that thought come through and be kind and loving towards that it's it's an interesting cycle but being kind and compassionate towards uh towards your mind has has been a game-changing approach rather than the the uh dictatorship i had running before (laughs) that sounds like a good shift and you're right whatever comes up whatever you notice is a mindfulness practice and so one thing we do throughout these modules is i invite people to actually reflect on what they're applying each week and check in each day on kind of the homework or the activities each day throughout the week but then before you begin a new module I invite people to reflect on that whole previous week and what you learned and how that went. And I'm curious how that was for you to kind of track these principles each day, but also take some moment to reflect on how things have been going in, in a more general scale. What was that progression like for you? Yeah, so I think one aspect to it is when I initially signed up and approached the life after pornography program, I saw it as a take these steps to cure your porn use. Mm -hmm. And as such, I saw the homework in the same way. Um, And so I remember clicking through the modules at first. I don't know what kind of a mindset that is. That's got to be a shovel mindset of like (laughs) seeing exactly what I need to do um, and clicking through and seeing homework. And then on the next module, seeing homework review. and saying, okay, this is, this is completion. I just got to hit these steps, check these boxes and, oh, was I wrong? Right? Like (laughs) it's, it's very much an understanding versus completion type process. And so that was one aspect that was huge for me. Um, I think right off the bat in that first module presenting shovels as something to be aware of, it's not tracking your porn use. It's not accountability buddies. It's not all these things that we're so used to doing. It's be aware of how hard you're working to dig this hole that you're in. And I, I do, I remember almost being frustrated at how many times a day. And I, I will admit, I wasn't even being super intentional about it. It was just in my head. Now I, I understood that you're in a whole analogy so vividly that when I was even just mindful enough or just aware enough to see how I was making myself busy to avoid porn or how I was being religious to avoid porn, it, it kind of opened up space to my mind to, oh man, that's a shovel. Yep. And so that led to this process of over that week, I'm looking at all these shovels and then you come back on that review and it's look at all these shovels and it just reinforces that, that lesson that you just learned in the previous module. And I, I love the way that it set up because I think it just, it reinforces awareness. I think that's the best way to put it. And, and in order to, to move on. I know you've said before that you wish 
people would have to do a specific amount of mindfulness in order to like unlock the next module. Right. But in, in all reality, that's the case regardless. I don't think you can really move on through the modules unless you are being mindful and it unlocks a lot more than just the next module. Mindfulness is one of the foundations of this platform. And so I, I just really appreciated it. And for someone who has maybe developed a bad habit in college and school of schluffing homework sometimes, this is homework you really want to do. Well, that's awesome. I, I love hearing those insights where your mind went from, all right, this is how I fixed the issue. I just got to get these things done. Even looking ahead, anticipating the things you had to complete. Yeah. And then that awareness shifted to it's like oh no this is how i am understanding these principles and that homework turned into a mindfulness exercise and increasing your awareness and that's really what it is it's just another opportunity to reflect on how is this going and help you practice some of these skills throughout your day and just be more aware of these processes in your life and it very much is just another mindfulness exercise and not another thing to check off yeah. And it, I don't, it was just, I remember at first thinking it was so weird. And I think right off the bat, that was one of my problems is my willingness was not there. Um, and I, I didn't understand even the concept of mindfulness. Um, and look at me now I'm preaching it all over the place, <laughs> but it, it really was just, I mean, it was opening in every sense of the word um, for me, um, specifically mentally, but I, I still go through uh, the mindfulness exercises in the programs because wow. they might be a little nostalgic and uh, sentimental for me, but they're also, they're just good, solid exercises. Yep. That's great to hear that you still go through those. You've probably heard my voice many, many times. I apologize for that. But I'm, I'm glad that those you still find benefit and value in going through those. It's not just, oh, did that one, moving on. It's like, no, this is a practice. Like rinse and repeat. The more you do it, the more benefit that you get. Absolutely. I think it's, to some extent, it's a game of reps. Yeah. I think. And, and it's, hard to, it's hard to understand that at first. Um, because if you're coming into this with the shovel mindset, you're, you're just wanting to get, get done with it. Right. And to think that how much your perspective shifts over the course of this mindfulness really is that, is that shift. It is. As you talk, I keep thinking about the three pillars of act, which I don't think we reference in life after Mm -hmm. pornography, maybe at all. Um, But those pillars are being open to our experience and being present is the second one. And how we accomplish those is really through mindfulness. And that third pillar is actually doing stuff in your life that matters. That's values. And that's where we're at kind of in the sequence of these modules. But to be able to actually do the things that matter, it's contingent on that foundation of being open and aware of what you're thinking and feeling and those processes of your mind and being able to reflect on that and kind of creating more space for those. That is what allows us to pursue those values. It sounds like for you, you started to see that shift occurring and seeing it's like, wow, that, that really is the meat of this. But I think initially for a lot of people coming into this, mindfulness is the first thing they're going to skip. And the homework is like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I just want to learn some more ideas some more shovels, but really of those three pillars, two of those are mindfulness based that allows us to get to now let's start to do some things different in our life. Absolutely. And, uh, I'm sure I can't remember specific circumstance, but I I'm certainly no, no golden student. So I'm sure I had moments where I did skip them, um, where I wanted to get into the meat of the module and not just listen to a mindfulness exercise. But again, I think we've emphasized it quite a bit that mindfulness really is the key. And in my experience, even 
right now um, I'm preparing to um, speak to a group about this and uh, I'm very excited and nervous, but in, in going back through my story, I see how much my values were held back because of my lack of mindfulness yep. and how much in my life I wanted to do, but feel like I couldn't because of pornography. I, I couldn't have porn in my life to do this, this, and this. I couldn't have porn in my life to get married or to date or, and it was just so, it was so apparent going back through. And so that mindfulness piece, if it lets me live my values, I'm going to be mindful every day of my life. Yeah. That means I get to choose what I value. Oh, I love that. I've never thought, had this thought before until you just said that, that, being present and mindful could be a core value that we have that I want to be engaged that that in and of itself is worth pursuing and a value that we could dedicate some time and energy towards. And that value of being more present and mindful and aware actually helps us live our other values even better. I've never thought about that before, but how you describe that, that just kind of resonated with me like, wow, being mindful can be a value that we hold. Well, I think of it like physical fitness. If your value is to enjoy a specific sport, to some extent, you have to keep your body capable enough to engage in that sport. And so mentally, if you're trying to pursue these values, um, you're going to need some kind of mental fortitude and foundation. And, and that comes through mindfulness. That's a great comparison. That fits so well. So a couple of the key kind of concepts or exercises in this module are to help people connect even more with those values. So we've got one where I invite people to put the pen in their hands and be the author of their life and think about the title. Of the, oh, you got your pen. <laughs> think about the title of the book they're writing. And then the other one might sound a little bit morbid, but I, I invite people to fast forward to the end of their life and think about how they want to be remembered. And so often we give a eulogy at the end of somebody's life and it's all about their legacy and the things they've accomplished and their relationships and what they want to be known for. So I'm curious of those exercises, you know, what were those like? Did one of those resonate a little bit more for you? I'm curious, like what you got out of those. I love these two exercises. And I think for anyone who's listened to these podcasts, um, or has, uh, followed the social media, um, you'll know that I, I, I think I have quite a big personality and, uh, I, I love, I love the individuality, um, that all of us have inherently and the things that we're passionate about and the things we value. And so these exercises really hit home to me because it's all about defining yourself and not letting pornography define you and just being able to hear that um of the title of your book is not struggled with porn what's on your gravestone is not struggled with porn those are not the things that are going to be said and oftentimes we let even the thought of that dictate our life and run us into the ground um and so being able to to think of a title for my book and the content that it would contain and the chapters and the the plot um <laughs> and what people would say about me at, at the end of my life it it really it's a out-of-body experience, kind of pun intended there, but uh, it just opens your perspective. And so I, I really enjoyed these two exercises. I love that description because I think for many folks with a struggle for porn, that is the label. That is the, the title of the book. I'm a disgusting porn addict. And every sentence, every page is struggle with porn, view porn, still an addict page after page and chapter after chapter. And that's not really a book we want to share with anybody. And it's not really one we want to read ourselves. 
and it's pretty repetitive and it's not a bestseller. <laughs> like it's not going anywhere. Nope. And it's not even accurate. Like you said, like that book kind of drives us into the ground and there's not room for doing the things that we really want. But when we think about like, actually, what is the story I want to write? Who are the characters? What is the plot? What do I want this next sentence to be about? Or this page or this chapter, or this next volume that you get to create this and not keep just hitting copy and paste with the same old addict story that I find that liberating, that we are the authors of our life. So I'm curious with that mindset, did you have some titles come up for you? Or it's like, no, this is Brian's story. It's not an addict story. This is Brian's story. So this is so funny. I We've talked about this on an earlier podcast. And I remember listening back to that podcast and hearing my title. And I was like, that is so, I really couldn't have come up with anything better. Cause what I said was just my name. Yeah. It was just like, it was Brian Johnson. And I shouldn't say just because that's an understatement. And I think there's never a just in front of anyone's name or story. Um, and so I, I remember writing down in my workbook that it was Brian Johnson and just how much that contains for me. I'm not sure if anyone, I hope that I can share that, but I don't think anyone will fully understand how much value that holds. Yeah. Like my story and the things I value and the things I want to do and the impact I want to make and the people I want to be able to create relationships with, that's all tied up in there. And I, I think whatever the name of your story is, it's going to carry that same weight. Yep. And I, I remember, man, this is memory. I, I remember this exercise and going through it. And a part of me thought, I hate how much I rationalized now. It's, uh, it's almost funny. I remember thinking, you know, people normally only read like the first chapter and then they set the book down. And my first chapter is just going to be like pornography and they're not going to want to read it. And in having thoughts like that, and I, I'm sure that's a normal mindset um, with, with the discouragement that comes with uh, a struggle with pornography. And I just want to tell everybody that my struggle with pornography has made my story so much more beautiful because it's taught me how to write. Yep. And even if you're year 12, 24, 48, 86, your story is not over. And, yep. and just because it, not just because, but because it was a part of your story, it makes it beautiful. Yep. And so that, that was something I had to, had to really dwell on and, and figure out for myself was that even having the word pornography in my story didn't discount the rest of the story. It contributes to it. It makes yeah. it better. And I, I loved being able to see that. It does. And I think so many of us want to rip out those early pages find the delete button, somehow redact <laughs> them all so no one will ever see those. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I think about every good story that the hero, the protagonist has a struggle that's relatable. That's why we're invested in it. And then there's a plot twist. There's a change. There's a transformation that we go through. And those are the stories that we actually want to read um, because that is how it works. Um, but I think about all the movies, we wouldn't want to delete all the messy struggles. That's how we actually identify with those characters and individuals, because that is so human. And I love that you just embrace that. It's like, yeah, that is part of my story. And that unlocks the rest of the novel. And I love hearing people's stories, especially when they involve foreign, because it's now I can relate to it. And I feel like we have this connection now 
um, because of going through a similar struggle, walking a similar road. And so there's so much that comes from, from this exercise. And I mean, obviously the next uh, modules, including sharing your story and being willing to be vulnerable and maybe take the white out off some of those early chapters and, and uncover that. I I've been very fortunate. I know that vulnerability might not always lead to connection, but I have been surprised time and time again at how powerful and beautiful vulnerability can be in not only initiating, but reaffirming and solidifying connections in our life. Yeah. That's it. And that's a little sneak peek to module nine, that that really (laughs) is the next step where often people struggle with pornography and they're disconnecting from relationships and kind of closing themselves off from vulnerability really to move forward in our lives. We have to reverse that, that that connection, that intimacy, that vulnerability really is the antidote to this struggle. And it can take us a little bit to get to that place. But the more we have some compassion and a greater understanding for what the struggle really is and what we are really about, I think it makes it easier to take that step to really connect. And I think that leads to that other exercise in this module where writing this book is kind of helping you forward think, what do you want to create? And each day we're writing in our book and we're filling those pages where the eulogy looking back is thinking about at the end of your life, what do you want to be known for? How is that to take that perspective instead of just forward going, actually looking back on a life that was well lived? Again, I think it created a, a necessary perspective to, to complement the forward thinking, whereas now you're, you're almost reverse engineering. And I think the thought uh, that might come to people's heads when they go through this analogy is, like, if, if I were to die today, what would people say about me? I remember that one being powerful because I was positive that I don't think anyone would even mention pornography. Like I'm not sure if anyone would think about it. Maybe they would now that I'm quite (laughs) outspoken about things and uh, trying to make a difference in the sphere, but um, it, it would have been funny stories and times of, like tender memories and service together. And it, it, it would have been such a, such a different event than how I had portrayed it through my struggle. Yeah. But that's when I was looking at it through the lens of my struggle. And so, so opening my eyes to what would people actually say? Mm. What, what would they what would they share? It, it, it's a very touching, touching experience. Yeah. I can even sense that in that moment, like you're connecting with that about who you really are and what you're known for. And I think that can be a bit painful where it's like, ah, I've seen myself in such a negative, critical, inaccurate way. But when it comes down to it, the impact I had really has nothing to do with that struggle. It's so many of the other things that are so meaningful. Yeah. And, and again, I remember, I think I, I'm sure I fought a lot of the, I mentioned earlier fighting the, the title of uh, the book being like, Oh, no one's going to want to read this because of the early chapters of porn. And, and so the thought of, um, you know, maybe they would talk about porn at my funeral and maybe they would say he never got over it. And it like, I I do notice that thought coming up, but I think about being at someone else's, someone that I love um, being at their service and, 
and given that opportunity to, to speak about them or even just being there and getting to think about their life. Yeah. I, I would hope that their struggles come up. Yeah. But I would hope that I see them and respect and love and honor them more because of their struggle and all that they were still able to accomplish in spite of that. And that's not what it's just, it's not what you're remembered for. Yep. I don't know. I hope that made sense. Sorry. That was a lot of thoughts. No, you're right on it. And I think about, I love history and I love reading religious texts and the historical figures and leaders in our own country and, and leaders in our church and those that you read about kind of in scripture, the ones I identify and relate to the most are the ones that are pretty open with their struggle that we know what it was all about. And it's like, Oh yeah, I want to learn from them because they're kind of like me and I can relate to that. And the lessons they learned are profound. Um, whereas the folks that, you know, we kind of omit those parts are kind of glossy and, Everything just seems like pretty easy going. They're pretty pretty forgettable to me. Um, those are people that are pretty two-dimensional. Um, but I think it's there's a lot of space to include the struggle. But I think what's cool about your future eulogy is it might include a bit of that struggle, but also the decades that you spent educating and helping people overcome that very same struggle. And how much more meaningful is that? I mean, that's decades of work. And you're starting that. You're writing those pages now with the podcast you launched and getting ready to be a wellness coach. Like that is filling your pages. That's going to be a defining characteristic. And yeah, the part, partly the, way, the reason why you're able to do that is because of this struggle, these early chapters. I appreciate that. And, and I think for anyone, this struggle can manifest itself. And, and we know that it, it interferes with our values. And so whatever those values may be, um, if it's spending time with your family and connecting with them, and you feel like you haven't been able to do that because of the struggle, but as you've worked through this and seen the life after pornography, now you can more fully connect with your family and hold those values. And that could be anything on this vast spectrum of values. And I like the way you worded that, that the struggles in our lives seem to have a, sometimes it's normally a direct correlation, but sometimes we perceive it as a negative correlation with our values. When in reality, going through them and learning what we allow ourselves to be taught from them can further push us on, on to achieve and pursue those values. And I, I think that's such a powerful message that your struggle doesn't discount all of them. Nope. It makes them better, more meaningful. It does. And that's it. And so kind of at this point, when you're going through these principles and act, we, it kind of comes down to this choice point. We got these two paths in front of us that in any moment, we can be moving towards our values, things we care about. And often what happens is these stories show up that our mind creates like, oh, we're an addict. We actually can't access our relationships or we can't start a podcast or we can't help other people. And so we start to move away from the things that we really value most. And that's kind of what this all comes down to is the more that we can be aware of those stories and some of those mental tricks and all those things we do to move away, we can start to notice that pattern and start to move towards things we really want in our life. And it can be really simple. So if we recognize that, oh, relationships are a value or being present is a value, connecting with others is a value, the next step is what do I want to do today? That's consistent with that value. And that is how we write in that book. And that's it. Page after page to the end of our lives, we want to be moving towards those values. And those become clearer in module seven and eight, figuring out what is it that we really want 
let's move towards those. And often those stories and those tricks and those labels kind of hook us and move us away from all those things that are so meaningful. And as we observe that pattern, we can kind of regroup and say, oh, let's reconnect with those values. What can I do today that'll help me build connections or help other people or be more present? It's so ironic that the things in life that are trying to pull us away from our values are the things that can add clarity to them and help us shift back to focusing on them. I, I noticed that too, even, even as I've been pursuing my values, obviously difficult emotions arise because values can be scary and bring anxiety and, and fear and doubt. And in noticing that it was just so interesting to see my brain say, you know, you're putting your first podcast out. You could watch porn to feel better. Yeah. And I'm over there like, wait, I did this whole thing because I've learned how to navigate that mental, uh, oh gosh. Sorry, I'm totally blanking. Um, I've just yep. learned how to navigate that process yep. and that struggle. And, and it, it's just, it's so ironic to me that your struggles always seem to try and pull you away, yep. but they can actually bring, bring a lot of clarity and even this like motivation and, and commitment to, to pursuing them further. So how did that work? So there you are launching a podcast. That's intimidating. That's really scary. And you notice your best friend mind show up to say, hey, I know how to help you feel better. How did that actually motivate you to keep pursuing your values instead of avoiding discomfort and looking at sexual images? There's probably a lot, um, <laughs> a lot that I could uh, go into and articulate. I, I think it's just like you said, we're, we're presented with these, these two options and, and mindfulness allows you to stop at the fork in the road and, and choose. Whereas before it was mind suggests you run, you run down that path and you keep running in circles. Whereas with this, I was already on that other side of the road. I was already on the value side. Um, in pursuing this and getting things ready. And I, I am, I was terrified. I was supposed to launch two months ago and, and I did, I remember I got so scared and granted I was getting married and some other big things in life, but, and that was scary for me. And so it, it really is, I mean, to go full circle, it's, it's being mindful and, and seeing that your brain is offering up a suggestion and being able to see that as a suggestion yep. as it's offering this to make you feel better. But at that point, I felt like my values were so clear that it was easier for me to say, no, I'm like, this is what I'm doing. Yep. Um, and I'm going to stick to this. And there's, there's a weird amount of power and already being on that road yeah. in, in continually pursuing your values. And I will say that looking back, launching that first episode, it was pretty much one click of a button like that. It was submit. And it was like that one click. So much was riding on that. But when I did, nothing happened. Like the world didn't blow up. Nothing caught on fire. I didn't have mobs at my door threatening to like, tie me to a tree and leave me for dead. <laughs> like pursuing your values, it's not going to result in those things. Yeah. But there's stories around our struggles and there's stories around our values. But in pursuing those values, I've found those stories that I've been telling myself to be at least the stories of fear and discouragement and shame and you shouldn't do this you're not ready to be false that I've, I've been able to do 
these things that I've always wanted to do. And it's given me strength. And it's, it's helped me to continue to choose the values road over the pornography road. And I, I can't promise that it'll always be that case. But I know that if I do choose the pornography road, if I do listen to my best friend, mine suggesting porn, I, I know that I can regain that awareness and that yep. mindfulness and get right back onto the values path. Yep. I love that outlook. Cause it's like those principles of you can move towards your values and move away. Those don't change regardless of where we're at on that path. It's just being aware of that and coming back and coming back to that choice. But I love those examples. And it reminds me of an earlier module where we talk about the bus driver mm. and anytime you're on your route, trying to head right places you want to go, those thoughts and emotional passengers storm the bus and say, you got to turn left. And it seems like the more you get off course from the things you really care about, the more these hooligan passengers tend to show up and it gets even more difficult to do a course correction because you're in a different part of town than you want to be. It's, it's not familiar. There's a lot of thoughts and emotions that you don't really want to have on your bus. But I've found that very same thing that the more I'm consistently approaching my values those thoughts and emotional passengers still show up. It's still scary, but there's also these other passengers that are my value passengers. And like, this is awesome. We're doing this. Click submit. Who are we going to help? I can't wait to see how this goes. And there's also the passengers like, oh, this is terrifying. But that, that's like, yeah, you're in there. But there's so many other passengers because we're in the neighborhood where we want to be. And it's surrounded with people and things that we care about and that we value. And I think there is some truth to what you're saying, that as we've been living our values in a pretty consistent manner, I think it gets a little easier to stay on track. But those passengers still show up. And yep. so as you shared, it reminded me of <laughs> my own chicken out moment that I've had for a little while now. So a couple of years ago, I, I wrote another book. And my working title was Confessions of a Latter-day Saint Sex Researcher. And I talk about my experiences becoming a psychologist and learning about sexual health and doing research on pornography. But then I also talk about like my religious upbringing and what it was like going to church and my love for the gospel. And I try to bring both of these kind of worlds together. But I do it in a very open way where I'm pretty open about my views around sexuality sexuality and LGBT advocacy and, and my love for the Book of Mormon. And I just kind of talk about it all. And I wrote it. I'm like, I can't share that. <laughs> I, I just cannot be that open. And I was really terrified um, about how it would be received because I couldn't like cherry pick the message to my academic professional colleagues but also folks I go to church with. It's like, nope, here's me. Here's my book. And the thought of sharing my book, I'm like, uh-uh. And so I, I probably wrote this a couple of years ago and I've, I've revised it and tweaked some things and toned down my thoughts a little bit. But it wasn't until two weeks ago where I finally submitted it to a publisher. It took me that long to be like, am I gonna avoid this fear or am I actually going to pursue my values and share this work? Because I believe it will be helpful to model openness and some authentic experiences and share my values in science and psychology and religion and faith. And to hopefully create some space for others that have struggled with making some of these things work. But that was so scary for me that I sat that down for two years. But like two weeks ago, I'm like, Click submit. And like you said, nothing bad happened, but it took me a couple of years to finally hit that button because pursuing that value of being that open and advocating in that way was really difficult. And so I kind of hit pause. I didn't delete that work, but I'm like, I'm not quite ready for that. And that's okay. And eventually I found that timing and worked through all that fear and apprehension and click submit. And we'll see where it goes. Well, first off, congratulations. That is, that's huge. And it, it's, 
it's poetic that at the beginning we're talking about this metaphor where you're literally writing a book and getting to author it and you've just done that in a very literal sense and so being able to hear that it it did take time to to jump with those values um it's just such a it's such a powerful experience and it, it's funny that it seems like we're always walking that road, but there are moments when you kind of have to jump. Yep. You kind of have to hit submit. Yep. And it's, and it's crazy how everything rides on that, that one moment, but nothing rides on that one moment. You've <laughs> always been doing it. You've always been, you've been working on that book. You've been working on that health platform. You've been pursuing that thing. And maybe it's just putting it out there. That's, that one big moment, but you've always been yourself. And so this is such a powerful conversation. And I think it, it extends to a lot more than just our own personal values, but as we express ourselves and, and pursue those, we are able to influence and impact and connect. And so there's this network of people pursuing values together and being able to work together. And it's this beautiful quilt, I guess you could say, where, mm. where you are in this sphere. And I know we've talked about it a few times that in these podcasts, I feel like we get into this really awesome, I can't stop smiling. My cheeks hurt. <laughs> and so like times like that, when the happy emotions on my bus are like, keep going, keep going. <laughs> and it, it might outweigh the, the yells from anxiety and they might get pushed to the back of the bus, but there's fluctuating times. Yep. And so I, it's just this, it's, it's a journey, it's a road, but having values um, in those happy and fulfilled and excited emotions on your bus voicing up because you're, you're going that, direction with your life is is so awesome it's it's amazing it's what it's all about and i'm with you my cheeks are hurting yeah <laughs> i can't get rid of that grin and i think about these challenging things we do are the things i want to talk about and i want to spend time with people that are doing the same thing i don't want to spend time with the folks or it's like yeah what did you avoid last night like what was the thing that you were terrified that you didn't do like that's not a a chat that I really want to have a whole lot, but, but these I do. And one thing you mentioned was so key is it's a click of the button. And like you said, it takes a leap and it can feel like you're leaping from a plane going skydiving. But that motion of leaping from a plane is the same motion of rolling out of bed. It's the actual, it's the same behavior. It takes the same amount of effort. It's just those stories and those fears and those emotions. It's the same motion though, falling out of bed or falling out of the plane. It's the <laughs> click of the button that as far as physically, the actual behavior that we can control, it's not that effortful, but we kind of work ourselves up and oh, that fear and that desire to avoid, like I avoided hit and submit for two years, um, but I had been working on it and preparing myself, getting there, working on some other projects, coming back to it. But in the end, the motion was the same, hit the button. And that's okay if it takes some time. But I think that is a helpful reminder. It can feel like you're jumping from the plane, but it might be more just rolling out of bed, living another day, taking another step. I love that. And I, I, I hadn't put that together, that it, it really is a similar motion. And I, I look at this struggle specifically and how hard I've been working to dig this hole that I'm in. I mean, years and years and filters and everything you can think of and working so hard. And to think that I can apply that now to my values, it's awesome. And I've been able to, like, I have to get pulled away from work at sometimes because I, I, I just, I love it. And so it's, it's been great. It's the same motion, yep. but it's, it's where you apply it and how you listen to the stories and 
are you falling out of bed or falling out of a plane? <laughs> yep. That's it. And we actually value work. We value solving problems and making an impact. So like, where do we want to channel, channel that? Do we want to work on values or work on digging? Either way, your mind's going to work and do something. It's like, ooh, let's make sure that's oriented towards our values and not towards avoiding. Because either way, it's work. But one just gets you really tired and dirty. The other one, I mean, it just unlocks unlimited possibilities. And I think pursuing values, it is a lot of work. But the work doesn't feel as crushing because there's something meaningful. Whereas the work to digging is crushing and it's dark and it's lonely and it's so much effort, but there's not something tangible you can do with it at the end, but working towards your values. Wow. There's just a cascade effect of what that does. Yeah. Those, those happy emotions on the bus are, uh, are very loud when you're pursuing your values yep. and it makes it so worth it. I love it. This was another fun chat. I can't believe we only have two modules left. We're going to chat about restoring connections. And our last one is really bringing it all together. So this has just been such an amazing journey. And, and going through these modules and hearing your insights, man, I think it's just as impactful as going through the modules. So <laughs> I hope people get that and connect with this and feel like that we're there with you, um, that you learn some new things. And, and hopefully um, that this resonated with you and helps you in your journey. I hope people are smiling as much as we are, because, man, my, I'm going to need at least a week for my cheeks to <laughs> go back down. But this is it's it's awesome. It's been amazing. I love it. Well, we'll do it again next time. Module nine. OK, see ya. Okay, take care, my friend. Hey, thanks for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. I know you might be facing some issues in your life or know someone who is issues like anxiety challenges in dealing with emotions, or other compulsive behaviors like unwanted pornography. And I know it's tough to talk to people about problems. Difficult to stare those obstacles down that we face in life and to really know how to deal with them. It's hard to know what to say and when to say it. And then when that moment you finally reach out to family and friends happens, sometimes it falls flat. I haven't found many programs teaching effective strategies like mindfulness, how to improve relationships, and ways to address unwanted pornography viewing through research-supported principles. So whether you simply want to help with a problem like unwanted pornography, difficulty responding to emotions, or just want to understand the world of someone struggling with porn a little better, head over to lifeafterpornography.com and get in on the next training. There you'll learn the exact same strategies individuals addicted to pornography used to transform their lives by implementing principles from evidence-based treatment shown effective in research for reducing unwanted pornography viewing. You'll learn the secrets, the myths, the enemies to recovery, and the LAP framework for dealing with unwanted porn viewing that we call WAVE. If that's something that interests you, click the link in the description, or just head over to lifeafterpornography.com. I'm Dr. Cameron Staley. See you on the inside.